90s footy fans, welcome to another edition of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week, our guest is former St Kilda defender, Justin Peckett. Justin's long association with St Kilda commenced with the club's under-19 squad in the late 1980s, before securing a spot on the senior list for the 1992 season. Justin wore the red, white and black on 252 occasions during his 15-year AFL career. In this episode, Justin talks about the journey of gaining a spot on the St Kilda senior list, playing as a defender in the attacking era of the 1990s, the 1996 ANSAT Cup Premiership, the disappointment of the 1997 AFL Grand Final, being in the film clip for Australian Bantism and his work with leading teams. I hope you enjoy the 82nd member of the 90s Club Footy Podcast, Justin Peckett. Justin Peckett, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Really, it's a great pleasure to have you on, mate, and talk about your journey at the St Kilda Footy Club. Uh, pleasure, Trent. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. The 90s was a fantastic decade for many reasons, um, so I'm sure we'll we'll touch on a few of those as, as we chat. Mate, before we chat all things footy, what is Justin Peckett doing with, his, with himself currently, and do you still have any involvement with footy? Yeah, okay. So from a work perspective, I'm involved with a business. I'm a partner in a business called Leading Teams. So uh, historically, we've done a lot of work in the AFL, uh, the league, union, pretty much every sport in the country. We uh, had a presence um, across all the all the different sports. So we work with teams around improving performance, culture, leadership, help them to review, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been involved with Leading Teams, firstly as a participant back in 95 when, when Leading Teams came to St Kilda. Um, and then I retired at the end of 2006 and I joined Lean Teams full-time and I've, I've been uh, involved ever since then. So, um, yeah, long long time involved with leading teams. Uh, from a footy perspective, um, look, I'm, I've got five boys that play footy. Um, a few of them now are senior footballers, but a couple are still playing, I guess, at junior level. So I've been involved at, at senior and, and junior level for a long time. But... Um, Next season, I, I, I don't think I'll have anything to do officially other than just watch a few games of footy on the weekend. Fantastic, mate. Hey, let's look back at your journey. Obviously, uh, a one-club player, which is absolutely terrific with the St. Kilda Footy Club. It must have been a dream come true for you, obviously playing for the team that you supported. How did you end up uh, getting to the Saints? Yeah, so, you know, back in, uh, what was it, 1989 as a 16-year-old, got... Um, Got an invite to go to St Kilda, Moorabbin, uh, one night a week with the under-19s. Uh, and look, I grew up as a Saints supporter, my whole family. We would go to the games each week. Um, and so when I got an invite from John Beveridge, who was the uh, recruiter uh, back then, um, he just said, look, there's an opportunity to train one night a week with the under-19s. Uh, it was sort of the th- three-quarters of the way through the footy season at that point, And I was playing under-17s at Keringle. Um, and I just said, look, how many nights do you train? And he said, oh, we train three nights. I said, this is okay if I just train the three. And he said, oh, well, yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> uh, so I did that. And uh, a week later, there was a few injuries and I got a game in the under-19s and um, didn't didn't um, look back from there. Fantastic, mate. And I know you won an under-19s, best and fairest. And then I guess it was a bit of a whirlwind time in that 
sort of early 90s because you were sort of on the list and then you were deli- uh, you were let go and you comp- contemplated a move to WA before the Saints redrafted you. So a bit of a whirlwind time early in your career. Yeah, look, um, fair to say I was, um, I don't know if rat bag is the right term or I was a little bit wayward, I guess, in terms of some of my um, after-dark activities or my off-field um, pursuits that weren't necessarily conducive to being an elite footballer. And look, I had a fair bit going on at that time. So from about the age, yeah, 18, 19, 20, I had a fair bit going on. I lost my dad. Um, I became a, a father myself at the age of 19. Um, and obviously footy was a passion. I wanted to play, but dedicating myself to that at that point in time was proving a little bit difficult. Um, so, yeah, um, the Saints dropped me off the list after winning that best and fairest. Um I spoke to Ken Judge, who was, who was coaching East Fremantle at the time, uh, about a move over there. Um, you know, they were saying things like that. You know, potentially there'll be a second AFL team in a few years, and might be some opportunity. Um, so that was a serious thought. And then uh, the Saints and Gary Colling was the footy manager at the time. Said, "Look, just stick around, do the preseason. We've got four picks. Who knows what might happen?" And um, I, I ended up doing that. And they. Uh, I think they, with their last pick, they picked me up in um, the, the draft in 91 or end of 91, early 92. And then by round four, I played my first senior game. So um, at the end, it was a good decision to stick around and, and do the preseason. For sure. What was your taste of senior footy like? I know that came against the Hawks. And I think from what I read, you played a small amount of game time that day. But I guess, was that was that moment when you got that chance to play, did that sort of motivate you to you know, really work hard in order to be more of a regular fixture of the team? Oh, look, it was interesting, mixed emotions. I was super excited, obviously really nervous. Um, uh, and, you know, as the day panned out against Hawthorne, it was a great game. Um, you know, I started to probably get a little bit angry, uh, you know, by three-quarter time, still hadn't been on the ground yet. Um, I'd been told a couple of times throughout the day, you, you ready because we're going to send you on. And so I'd, I'd amp myself up and then it wouldn't happen. And then the half time, oh, we're going to get you to go on. and. And then they'd read the team out and I wasn't uh, on the field. So I was probably just cracking the ships a little bit and getting a bit <laughs> selfish and, and a bit of a, <clears throat> a bit sulky. Um, and then eventually I went on and clearly mentally I just wasn't ready for that moment and the ball was whizzing around. And, uh, you know, after about five minutes uh, in the last quarter, come off, haven't touched the footy. Uh, and then ultimately what I showed in that small amount of time that I wasn't quite there um, from a senior perspective. So I spent the rest of the year in the two. So, look, I probably... Um, was thinking, okay, well, on one hand, I think I'm worthy of getting a game. On the other hand, I've probably proven that I'm not quite right yet. So I've got a choice to make here. I knuckle down and train and do everything I need to do, and which is what I did. But, um, you know, next year, pre-season, get another opportunity and, and do okay in the practice games, which leads to, you know, a round one selection in 93. And then I look at 94 season, mate. A superb one from you individually. Arguably one of your better seasons in the time that you had the Saints. You were runner-up in the Best and Fairest Award. What made that season a successful one for you? Was it just being in the system for a couple of years and sort of your body maturing and getting ready, you know, used to the level, I guess? Yeah, look, I think um, obviously we moved to Waverley. Um, and I guess my style, I was I was um, um, someone who didn't, didn't mind going for a run and there was, uh, you know, the, the open space of Waverley probably suited my game a bit. So I think that helped. Um, and I think from uh, Kenny Sheldon's point of view, there was, um, I guess, a, a commitment to give me more regular game time. So that, look, well, that helps anyone um, more often than not when um, you know you get 
get some confidence from the coach that you're going to get a few games and you get a couple of touches, you play a role, you're going okay in that role. So, um, you know, I think it was a combination of a few things, um, having a, a season behind me already, um, but also knowing that the coach has got some confidence and giving you uh, particular roles. And if you're ticking that off, then you're more likely to get a game the following week. So, um, you know, uh, I was proud of that season. Um, almost pretty hard to knock off Rob Harvey uh, <laughs> back then in terms of as best and fairest. So, um I think he, he picked me by about one vote, and uh, that was on the last round of the season. So, um, yeah, it was a good year by me. I, I, don't, I can't remember where we finished on the ladder. We wouldn't have um, done too well as a club. But, um, yeah, I guess that's when I started to feel like, you know, clearly I, I can add some value here and contribute. And, um, and what I do is, is valued in the team. Harvey in hard. Everett delays it, floats it. There's a free kick going to be paid. Advantage to St Kilda. Justin Peckett on the run, nails it. His second. Why hasn't he been playing, Tim? I look at 90s football and it was played with a real attacking flair and high scores were frequent each round and obviously each team had a, uh, you know, a gun forward and a gun centre half forward. From my perspective I, I and, and my memories of you playing, I, I remember you playing a lot in defence. Um, what was it like trying to negate, stop some of the competition's great forward lines, whether it was the bigs or the smalls or, you know, trying to add something to that team defence? Yeah, look, it um, it was different in the in the in the nineties there, and uh, you know, as a back pocket, and that's sort of where I learnt my craft, I guess, as a defender. Um, it was it was really tough to be able to enjoy your footy to a certain extent because you know playing along Spud Crawley, and you know I, I loved him, and he you know, he was very good for me, uh, but he was a massive unit, and I was scared of him, um, and you didn't want to make him look silly and. All those sorts of things. So there's a bit of pressure back there. Um, often found it hard to uh, enjoy the footy in the sense that you know I used to finish the game with a with a headache or a migraine because you know concentrating that hard to you know to make sure that you're you're playing on resting rovers and they're typically the, some of the better midfielders in the league and you're playing on mercurial forwards and all those sorts of things and um, yeah it's not much fun you know as a traditional back pocket because it's not overly glamorous. Um, there wasn't a lot of ball to be won and you could be made to look really silly pretty pretty quickly and pretty often. So I found it really difficult in that sense, um, not overly enjoyable. It wasn't until I, I got to move up the ground a bit where there's a bit more of a license to run off your man and a bit more freedom that uh, perhaps I, I loved it a bit more. But um, in those early years, yeah, playing across that last line, it was yeah very difficult and very, um, uh, very intimidating with some of the guys that you end up lining up against uh, because they were, they were guns of the competition. Who are the hard ones that you sort of lined up with, mate, and thought, gee whiz, this is going to be a tough day if they're spending a lot of time forward? Uh, oh, look, you know, um, I remember Gary Hocking was just, you know, he was a beast of a player. Um, and, you know, you'd be at Waverley and, he, you know, he'd, he'd change and he'd come down and I'd just go, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> um, and, and in places like Waverley, there's, it's so big and it's so expansive that there was no real safety in numbers. You're often just one out. And so, you could, again, you could be made to look pretty soon. I was, I was just small. I was wasn't overly um, tall. I uh, wasn't overly uh, strong. And so, when you're playing against those guys who were seasoned midfield hardened players, it was it was difficult. You know, even R- Richard Osborne, who was um, uh, Tony Modra for a while. Like these were guys that were were just freaks and and beasts compared to me as a skinny sort of nineteen twenty twenty one year old. It was um, it was a yeah it was um, 
it was difficult, um, but I think it, it helped build resilience and gave you a bit of a thick skin, but um, it wasn't overly enjoyable, I must say. <laughs> a major team moment for the club was winning the Ansett Cup in, in the mid-90s. Despite it being a pre-season trophy, do you feel it was uh, a moment that assisted with the club's rise that sort of led to a grand final appearance in 1997? Was it the beginning of something for the Saints? Ah, uh, look, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, it was, uh, clearly it was obvious. It was great for the supporters and the way that they embraced, you know, something that. Uh, and that I guess that again, that's a, a bit about where we were as a club. That I don't look back on that necessarily thinking it was awesome, or I played in a premiership, or I can't necessarily remember that that was a stepping stone. But I think, you know, it was, you know, winning winning's good. So you know, whether it's a practice game or a preseason game or obviously in, in season proper, you know, winning's good and when you're a team that doesn't win a lot, it helps. So, yeah, whether that was one of the catalysts to us then moving towards playing in a, in the finals in '97, um, but no doubt it would have been good for us at the time. It was it was um, it was public. It was um, publicised. It was celebrated. Um, but I don't think we at the time were seeing it. Okay, we're we're on the march here, but um, in a short in that short little space of time, it was worth celebrating. It was a bit of fun and. Uh, as I said, winning winning helps uh, a lot of things. So it was good at the time. Well, what what sort of changed in '97 from the previous season that sort of made you a real powerful side in that '97 season? Like you just played an awesome brand of footy. You had some great players that were running around that you know were in super form. Um, yeah, you know, what was it that sort of made you guys that good that allowed you to claim that minor premiership that year? Uh, yeah, look, I think I think we had a pretty good list. Um, um, I think that um, we were doing things over the last couple of years around culture and leadership and setting standards. And so I think the club as a whole was starting to take that a whole lot more seriously as opposed to, in my view, over the years, celebrating individual performance. You know, we had a lot of great players go through the St Kilda Football Club, but clearly as a team, we weren't that great. And I just think that, you know, uh, the work that Kenny Sheldon had done, um, you know, the group was pretty tight-knit. Uh, then when Stan came in, he started to, um, you know, encourage player ownership and greater levels of empowerment and, you know, as a playing group taking training and there was a lot more ownership over who we were and what we wanted to stand for and, and how we managed ourselves. And so, um, you know, I think that along with, you know, we did have some pretty good players. Um, we just, we started playing some good footy. We trained really well. We prepared better. Um, and, and then once you started getting a few wins on the trot, you know, confidence builds and I remember going to games in 97 you know driving the footy just absolutely certain there was there was no doubt in my mind we were going to win that game you know that that again um, has a big impact on how you then play the game when you're confident and then we, we're backing it up we're then winning and then that just reinforced the belief each each week so as we started to build towards finals again driving to the ground just going well, we'll win this doesn't matter what stage of the game we'll win and um, you know that that started to happen we started winning and again that just reinforces that that confidence so yeah a number of things that were building uh, along those sort of few years that um from the sort of early mid 90s through to 97 an effective spoil by Peckett pushed or dangerously towards Stephen Zilla Zilla gives it away to Shanahan and he comes wide towards the halfback flank Peckett is running hard didn't break stride he's away right halfback Justin Peckett running up towards the wing he's run about 60 metres 
Told to go on, draws a man, pops it over the top. Keogh goes back inside the hall. Ball can run to 50 and unload. This will bring the roof off. Magnificent! The length of the ground. I look at grand final, and I think that week must have been huge for you, you know, personally, but also as a team, uh, team-wise as well. Um, and then, obviously, grand finals, great to be a part of it. No doubt you worked so hard to play in that last Saturday in September. Despite not getting the job completed, um, you know, how did you find that week in the lead-up to it? Oh, it was amazing. Um, obviously, never experienced anything like that before. Um, you know, St Kilda winning, winning a second premiership will be the biggest premiership in the land ever. Like, it's just <laughs> everyone's, everyone's waiting for it. Um, it's been forever since it's happened. And so, at that time, you had that sense. This, this, this is a big deal. You know, not not only just for you to be a premiership player and playing a premiership as a team, but just from the club's history point of view, that the fact that there's only I don't know twenty all the players that have played the game at St Kilda, there's only twenty premiership players. Is, it's ridiculous on one hand. It's it's bizarre. It's it's sad. Um, and yeah, you know, we're we're long overdue. So everyone felt that I think that this is something special. So. Not only the players, but you know, families, friends, the community, wherever you went, that was the talk. It was Victoria versus South Australia. So there was a fair bit riding on it. Um, and so that was an amazing week. And um, yeah, I'll never forget that lead up. Um, and then it all turned to shit uh, come <laughs> 5 p.m. Uh, on the Saturday night. So, um, yeah, devastating. Jarman was just unbelievable that day. And I know you probably don't want to d- dwell into it too much, but you've probably upped that into the ground where you would have seen Jarman do some of his heroics. Um, he was unbelievable. Pretty hard to stop. Yeah, look, I mean, he, yeah, he's a, he's, he was an amazing player. But the reality is that um, on the day, there was a few of them. And yeah, my man kicked a few. I think Bond, he ended up kicking a bag. And um, Shane Allen kicked a bag. And, you know, you don't necessarily plan for that to happen. And it happens. And it was hard to fall back. And, yeah, we had our chances. We just, on the day we went up for it, there's other things going on for a few of our players which would have had an impact. And it's all about on the day. It's a cliche. But on the day, we, we, we just went up for it. And, um, you know, um, you're right. I, I, I don't spend a lot of time talking about it. I've actually <laughs> never watched the game. And I've only ever been to one grand final, AFL grand final. That was the 97 one. I've never been to one outside of that. Um, and it's only probably the last couple of years I've been able to sit at home. I typically would have a barbecue on grand final day. Uh, with some friends over, and I, I cook up the food. I make sure everyone's having a good time. I have a few beers, um, but I don't typically spend too much time watching it, and I don't spend too much time watching the the final celebration because it still hurts. Yeah, fair call, and I can imagine it would too. And I guess leading up to that final too, you guys had some hard luck with injuries too, like Big Spider going down and Lazar going down, like Brett Cook, who wouldn't have played a lot of senior footy, you know, had that number one ruck mantle, so things sort of didn't go well for you guys leading up. You just had a little bit of unluckiness too, didn't you? Yeah. So, you know, um, those two fellas you mentioned, Spider and, and uh, Lazar Vidovic, um, yeah, they would have they would have had an impact, would have had influence on the game. Um, that's not taking away from anyone else who played on the day. You know, you, you get the opportunity. And as I said earlier, just the reality was we just weren't up for it on that particular day. We've been in good form. You know, we played a great game against the Kangaroos in the prelim. Um, and the reality is grand finals are hard to win. Uh, there are some people out there that have won multiple clearly, um, but they're hard to win, and um, if you don't take your shot, um, 
you can miss out. You can miss out forever or you miss out for 12 months or for two years and you get another crack. And the reality is for the, the guys that played in that 97 grand final, for those who particularly stayed at St Kilda for their careers, didn't, didn't get another crack at it. I want to look at the leadership space, mate. I know that's your bread and butter, um, you know, in this current day with, with um, employment and so forth. Culture and leadership, during your time at the Saints, who were some of the players that drove a really good culture and delivered some really strong leadership? Who were the ones that sort of stood out to you? And I guess, you know, thinking back now, you might have just taken a little bit of, a little bit of them in your work, what you do today. Yeah, so um, when I, I guess in the early 90s, for, for me, and I guess everyone gravitates to different people for different reasons, but there were some guys that were clearly really influential uh, in terms of, you know, how to go about things as, a, as an elite footballer. And so, you know, you had guys, obviously, the obvious ones, you know, Hard, Robert Harvey, Nathan Burke, Stewie Lowe, um, you know, off off the field, you had a bloke like Trevor Barker. Um, um, other guys for me, guys like Tim Pekin and Sean Ralph Smith. And then there was Dean Anderson, who obviously had come from a successful club. Um, you know, Haas was always a constant and Berkey for most of my career and, and same with Lowy. Um, and then you had other guys that came into the system, um, um, guys like, uh, you know, and Andrew Thompson, you know, guys who trained hard, did all the right things, um, you know, couldn't be questioned around effort. They were the ones that were really uh, standouts in terms of, um, you know, taking us forward. Even a young player like Jason Cripps, again, just worked hard, trained hard, prepared really well. Um, and gave everything uh, on game day, and so there was a there was a core group there that I guess you'd say were unconditional in regards to their effort and the way that they went about it and prepared. Um, you know, had more of us adopted that sort of approach, um, you know, who knows what would have happened. So um, yeah, there was some standouts there for sure. The late nineties was a really interesting time at the Saints. Obviously, a number of coaches within a very short time frame. You know, Elves, then Watson, Blight, and then obviously Grant Thomas took on the reins. I'm interested in Grant Thomas as a coach. He was, he was football director at the time and then obviously took over from Blighty. And after a few lean seasons, he's got into, he's won another preseason premiership, but then you got back into finals and we're playing sort of regular finals. Tell me a bit about Grant, the coach. Yeah, look, Grant, well, he's been a very successful coach in his own right um, before he coached St Kilda. So um, been successful in business. He's been successful with people. And leading teams, so you know he's someone's had an enormous uh, breadth of experience, and he was able to uh, bring that across into a coaching role. And some people might say, you know, perhaps the credentials for coaches these days should be that they go out, get some broader life experience, and coach their own teams, and and know what it's like to be in business and have to manage and lead people. And so Tomo had all that ticked off. Uh, really passionate about St Kilda, was a nurturer in the sense that. Um, he was very good at bringing people together. He was very interested in families. You know, so um, a lot of the players would have felt like, um, you know, the Thomas's home was uh, their home and were always embraced and encouraged to, to be there. And, and um, you know, so Tomo's family and Keza and all those, you know, it was a very family orientated. Um, and so what he bought was, I guess, that experience around leading people, leading men. Um, he had a fairly strong idea around how footy should be played. Very big on, you know, effort, 100% effort, 100% of the team, 100% of the time. Um, and he also had people around him who were good at what they did as well. And so, you know, um, you know, people like Matt Rendell, um, um, 
you know, Mick McGuan was there for a while, who was outstanding. And so, you know, Tomo was very good at allowing those people being able to do what they were there to do and, and then bring everyone together. And, um, you know, we, we, we played some really good footy under Tomo and it was a good environment. Um, and, um, you know, we went close a couple of times in that, in that sort of, um, early to mid 2000s. Then obviously, uh, you know, following, you know, Tomo's, uh, reign at the club and then obviously it led into Ross Lyon and so forth. We saw some great names that have been absolute superstars of the, the Saints, but also the AFL. And I speak of Rewalt, Kashitsky, Del Santo, Goddard, Montagna, making their way to Moorabbin. How energising was that to have those players come on board for yourself, but also for the team? Oh, it was brilliant. You know, they, those young fellas, when they came in, I mean, they were a threat for me because that meant that I was getting squeezed <laughs> aside. But, um, you know, they, they lifted spirits. You know, a few of us have been around for a while, have um, experienced a lot of success. And so you've got these young players who are wide-eyed and enthusiastic and got skill, uh, prepared to work hard. And so, you know, they, they really started to drive the standards and, and drag some of, uh, certainly dragged me along as an older, perhaps more grumpy sort of style of bloke that's still hanging around the club. So, um, yeah, they were great. And, and again, the, the thing that Tomo was able to do with them is is bring them in, nurture them, but still demand high standards and allow them the opportunity to lead. He didn't hold people back. It was There was no real ceiling that was put on. Oh, you know, you've only played X amount of games, so therefore you can't lead or you can't, um, you know, be an influential figure in our in our in our team or be the best centre half back uh, in in the league. So he he was very good at, at at really getting inside their heads and getting them to see themselves as you know league footballers, but also to understand um, you know the standards and expectations that are required. And so those young boys came in, and in the old system they would have been knocked down a few pegs, and it would have been a hierarchy, but um, Certainly, some of the work we've done, and, and leading teams played a role in this as well. Um, just creating an environment where, if, if you're doing the work, if you if you're living and breathing our standards, then you're a leader, and you, you're quite titled to you know challenge others and, and drag others along, and that's that's what was happening. So it was it was good for us. Elves still with the phone, close handy. Aussie Jones kicks it into the pocket, and Hall has it. Hall in towards the centre of the ground and straightens it up for St Kilda. Pickett goes for goal. Lovely long kick, straight kick. Goal to Justin Pickett. Hey, Justin, after your football uh, journey at St Kilda, you made your way to leading teams, as, as you've sort of alluded to earlier. You know, what's been the most enjoyable thing that you've been able to, to achieve through leading teams? And I guess the affiliation with, with football clubs and AFL clubs in general. Yeah, it's interesting. Um so I've, I've, I guess when when leading teams and Ray McLean first came to St Kilda it was in 1995 pre-season down at Lawn um, and introduced the leading teams model and and so I started as a participant uh, and sort of worked with Ray on a part-time casual basis throughout my career and then I joined leading teams and now I'm a uh, a part owner of the whole business so I've sort of gone through that so for me I guess post footy. I wasn't always at my best as a footy player. I didn't always give 100%. I wasn't always committed and disciplined. And the things that I've learned around that and the impact it would have had on others around me and the influence it might have had on others and, and, and my role in perhaps not winning a flag or not being more successful as a, as a team has, has really driven me to be, to be the opposite when I've, I've gone into my work life post-footy. I wish I'd have learned some of those lessons a bit earlier. But um, so, so I guess what I'm most proud of is you know, I'm I'm in a lot better shape now than what I was as a as a younger man, and 
that's been because of my journey through the Saints, but it's also been my journey with leading teams. And to now be a to be a part owner of the business, and we've now got thirty odd people in the business, and we're growing, and it's it's having an impact not only in sport, but majority of our works with corporate organisations and 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 communities. So, um, you know, to be a part of that and to be a real driver of that, and be able to see how others can benefit from some of the work that I've been able to do and share with them and my experiences. Um, yeah, that's that's I guess what I'm most proud of. Mate, that's terrific. I love it. I love it. And I, I know, like, just you read, uh, you know, about the affiliation with that with other AFL teams and so forth. Like, you know, there's been a lot of positive stuff there. I'm a Geelong supporter, and I think leading teams was, uh, you know, engaged by uh, well, the Cats engaged leading teams. You know, around that time of 2006, seven, and you look at the successes of the Cats have had. So, uh, no, it's awesome. Hey, nearly at the end of the uh, the podcast chat, I've got a couple of quick handballs for you. So the first thing I'm going to ask you there, Justin, is just a Give me a, a couple of words about a couple of ex-teammates of yours, just to give us a bit more of a, uh, you know, a bit of a feel of what sort of teammate they were in your eyes. So the first one I'm going to give you is Andrew Thompson. Yeah, Andrew Thompson, um, very straight down the line, uh, committed, disciplined, hard worker. Um, you know, started late in his AFL career, and I, I often looked at Tomo and thought, oh, I wish I was a bit more like Tomo. <laughs> um, and towards our, well, he played an extra season, but towards the sort of end of our careers. We're, you know, we're often spending a bit of time together as guys who were, um, you know, again the older guys of the of the group. But um, uh, he was a role model. He was uh, an influential member of the group, and um, he drove really high standards. Is why he played so many games and played really well. I love the big forwards in the '90s. So Barry Hall was one of those players that you got a chance to run around with. What was Big Hawley like? Yeah, look, Hawley was formidable. He was, um, yeah, you, know, you know, his background probably a bit of a a little bit um, challenged in terms of his, his childhood and I reckon, you know, early in his career that, that, that played out a little bit in terms of his maturity. Um, but, you know, in full flight, he was great to play alongside and with and look up and see that he's up forward. And when he was on, you know, he was he was damaging. He was a, he was a brute, um, but he played good footy. And the one thing about Barry that I reckon, I'm not sure if it gets mentioned all the time, but he was very unselfish as a player. So he would often get the ball in the lead and he'd swing around. And if someone was there, he would just give the, give the footy. So he often brought his teammates into the game and he often he obviously went off and um, he had a pretty successful uh, career and a long career too. So, um, yeah, he was, a, he was a very good player as well. And the last one I'm going to ask you about is uh, the big G train, Fraser Gehrig, another great power forward. Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's got the cult following. Um, again, another beast of a player. Uh, really generous, really team orientated, um, on and off the field, looked after players, um, was always involved and, and um, you know, uh, loved being around the group. Um, and, and in come game day, he was, yeah, he was um, one of those blokes you'd stand behind and he would he would lead the way and, and drag others along and wore his heart on his sleeve and all those sorts of things. And so the, the emotive side to his game, um, yeah, and you know he was brilliant. He was a he was an exceptional player, and um, yeah, you know, we're very lucky to play alongside him. And um, you know, he's one of the reasons why we had a fair bit of success through those those um, two thousand years. Who is your favourite character? And I speak when I speak about character, about a bloke you could have a, a good chinwag with, a bit of banter, you know, a few beers, um, you know, during after a game, and and you know, I guess from a social point of view, who was one of your favourite characters that you played with? Ah, uh, look, it, it would have to be Spud Crawley. He um, he was the funniest man I, I, I've ever known. He, when he had an audience and a crowd, and we'd meet at the pub and we'd be having <laughs> dinner and a few drinks. The stories that he had 
uh, were just amazing. And, and he always had everyone in stitches, everyone crying. Um, he was always um, the life of the party. It was funny because yeah, every now and then he'd cop some shit from the players and he wouldn't like that. He'd arc up uh, and he'd make sure then he would he'd always have a, a reply. Um, um, he, he was, you know, people gravitated towards him um, and he was brilliant. Um, always always a good time with Spud. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I've never I've never met anyone who could tell a story. I used to love listening to my Triple M because I, I'd sit here in my, in my garage with the Triple M and I'd be in tears just the way he, he told a story. Um, and so in the flesh, um, he, he was he was amazing. And look, he was a good fella and he was caring and supportive and all those things. He cared about his teammates. And so um, he'd be certainly one of the, the characters there. I, just, you know, I, I hung up every word he said. It was brilliant. I was cracking up that other night when I was doing some uh, research into um, our chats and I I forgot that you were uh, one of the feature St Kilda players in the TISM film clip, Greg the Stop Sign. Uh, tell us how you got involved in that, mate. What a classic song that was. Probably the film clip, um, you know, low budget when I was looking at it last night, but uh, still a great song from a, a good Australian band. Yeah, well, look, they were one of my – I love the music, so they were one of my favourite bands, still are. I've actually got a Greg the Stop Sign over there in the, in the garage here, <laughs> but um, um, someone from marketing just said, look, there's this, this band – but they're doing a film clip at the club rooms and I was the only one who was, yeah, I'll be involved because I'd, I'd, I'd go and watch them in concert. So I knew, no one else knew who they were. So I don't know if Stan was overly impressed. It was during training and um, I, I loved every second of it. Um, got a photo with them. Um, I've got that in my room. It's signed. Uh, they're all in their in their, um, in their their ski mask. Um, so I used to go and see them regularly. Um uh, it was brilliant, and then when I saw the film clip, outstanding, and their songs ended up being one of the, the, the most popular songs. So, when I'm working with clients, every now and then someone will have googled me, and <laughs> it's now my number one. It's now my one number one claim to fame that I was in the Greg the uh, Stop Sign video, um, and I'm quite proud of it. So, um, not every day you get to, to um, be in one of your favourite bands' film clips. So, um, yeah, I'm quite proud of uh, of that. Yeah, don't worry about the 250 games that you played at the Saints. Greg, the stop sign, you claim to fame. <laughs> hey, mate, lastly, lastly, what was the best thing about playing footy with the Saints during the 1990s? Oh, look, I mean, yeah, grew up back with St Kilda um, and just loved footy. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 50. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But when I was a young kid, like everyone else at my age, it was footy, cricket, or I guess basketball, maybe, but. To spend so much time kicking the footy, to be able to go and play at Moorabbin or play at the MCG, and 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 play that sort of country style football that it was back then, um, and you know the camaraderie and the after the game and all those sorts of things, the footy trips, you know, it was just a different time. It wasn't that long ago, but it, it feels like it was an eternity ago in terms of you know what you could do, how you, how we behaved, what what you could say, uh, the what the style of footy. It was just. It was very, very enjoyable. Apart from playing in the back pocket and having goals kicked on you, it was just all—it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And um, you know, St Kilda's a unique club um, with lots of great people that have been, you know, in that club and gone through that club. And the nineties was, was a special time, and obviously that ninety-seven um, grand final was a, is still a special moment for all those that were involved. So, um, yeah, the nineties was just a good, good music, good food, good pubs. Um, everyone was a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more chilled, no mobile phones, uh, no social media. So there's a lot to like about the uh, the uh, the 90s. Oh, absolutely. On that note, Justin Peckett, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Really enjoyed going down memory lane with you 
and uh, your career at the Saints. Good on you, Trent. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Thompson with Peckett running back, and he's marked at 20 metres out. Well, the Eagles have not taken their chances at one end. And Justin Peckett, who from memory got the opening goal of the game, will kick from about 25 metres out on a slight angle, and this will make it very tough for the Eagles. That's the sort of mark the Eagles have been dropping at their end. There's Hetty dropped a mark, and also Fraser Geary. That's right. Justin Peckett, the back pocket player. That's the end of episode number 82. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next week, our guest is former Demon and Eagle, Andy Lovell. It's tough, it's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football.